0: Good morning. Great. Well, I don't know what sort of week you've had, um, but in terms of sermon prep, I've had a real challenging week. Um, Don't get me wrong, in terms of subject matter, Rob has given himself a far harder task than I've got, but no matter how I tried, nothing would come together. And I think I wrote this talk out about three times. And then I had a meeting with Rob on Wednesday. Now, don't get me wrong here. He ministered to my spirit. (laughs) But at the same time, he messed with my brain. And I went home and I got up early on Thursday morning and I started calling out to God and saying, God, you've got to help me. I really don't know what to say about this text I really don't know how to put this. Lord, I'm struggling. And I just felt God being very open and honest with me and said, the trouble is, Chris, you've got into manufacturing mode. You're manufacturing talks, and talks aren't manufactured by humans. They're ministered by the Spirit. And so, in light of that, I'd like to pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for being here. Thank you for filling the atmosphere and just creating an incredible sense that our loving Heavenly Father is embracing us. Now, Holy Spirit, we give you free access. I just want to be a tube, a channel, a piece of conduit through which you flow. Let the Word of God come speak to each and every one of us, and help us to learn what Jesus is teaching in the text. We ask it in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. I want to read from Matthew chapter 5 and verses 38 to 42. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 38 to 42. Give to the one who begs from you, and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. Well, we're continuing in a series called Kingdom Living, or basically what it means to have Jesus as king over your life. And in these verses, Jesus is facing up his disciples with the reality of what it means to become a Christ follower. What it means to be a Christian And in particular, what he's talking about here is how to respond to opposition, aggression, injustice, and violence. And Jesus is wanting to teach his listeners, and also not only them, but us, a whole new way of responding or, or resisting rather than retaliation. It's reckoned that in the face of conflict, we usually respond in one of two ways. We either fight or we take flight. We either fight or we take flight. And to be honest, I've tried both. i tried both. I think a few years ago, um, when I was faced with a situation, a family situation, I try this way to fight, which means to retaliate, it means to seek revenge, it means to demand your rights, and to ask for what you deserve. And I went toe-to-toe with a family member who had, how do I put this? He had misappropriated thousands of pounds that should have been in my bank account and was in his. And I decided to go toe-to-toe to fight, to retaliate, not literally, but verbally. And my great strength can be my great weakness. I use words a lot, and I, if I'm not careful, I can use them wrongly. And I went toe-to-toe with this family member, and we verbally fought. And we exchanged verbal blows. It was verbal, it wasn't literal. Verbal blows. And every well-rehearsed jab that I gave cut him deeper and deeper and deeper. I have to say that I won the battle. But the trouble is I lost the war. And even now I'm still trying to build a relational bridge with that family member. Because I tried to fight and retaliate verbally. With this injustice. Sometimes we don't just fight. We take flight. And to take flight is, is kind of on those occasions when we are so weary. With the injustice and the abuse. That we simply want to run to escape. Vowing never to cross paths or speak to the accuser again. After 13 years. Of abuse and injustice by one individual. In the late 90s, I literally took flight to Portland, Oregon. I was trying to escape the abuser. To fight wouldn't work. I hadn't got the courage. I was so weary that I decided to take flight. But the trouble is by taking flight, we leave the aggressor thinking that they're right. And their behavior is acceptable. Because in their eyes, they've won the argument. So here Jesus in an absolutely brilliant way, is teaching that in kingdom living, there is a different way to face conflict. There is a a loving and a creative, a God-given inspired way to face the abuser, to face the aggression, to face the injustice, to face what sometimes is very violent. And in Matthew 5, Jesus is teaching his listeners a whole new way of resistance. A way that's not only creative and loving, but it's a way of nonviolence, A different way of resisting conflict. That by God's grace, we bring the offender to a place of repentance. And that this whole passage is not about being passive, but it's about being active to be inspired by the Holy Spirit, to do something in a way that probably we wouldn't naturally think. I do sometimes wonder whether in bygone years we've misunderstood understood, uh, Matthew 5 and verse 38 to 42. I sometimes wonder if we cause Christians to become overly passive so that when they're confronted with the misuse of authority, they seek peace at any price, and that we become doormats. We're not called to be doormats. We're called to be doorways through which the purpose of God flows. We're called to to live a life that is an opening to show the ways and the love of Jesus Christ, our Lord. I sometimes wonder that in an effort to avoid conflict, We have inadvertently encouraged people to turn the other cheek, to take the pain. And by ignoring the abuse on the abuser, we've condoned sinful behavior and sanctioned their actions. I sometimes wonder if a misunderstanding of this text and what Jesus is teaching here, that we have impelled some people to go a second mile in relationships that are not only difficult, sometimes they're dangerous. Jesus didn't preach peace at any price. I don't believe Jesus called us to be doormats. Jesus never taught passive us to be passive in the face of evil. Neither did he teach that violence was an appropriate response to evil. What Jesus is teaching here is a whole new approach to oppression. It is pure genius what Jesus is saying. It is way outside my frame of reference. It is absolutely, I think it blew away the minds of those that listened. The very end of the sermon, it says, they were amazed at his teaching. That word amazed is like a blow on the back of the head. And it's like, wow, that is amazing. And what he's teaching here is a whole new approach to oppression, aggression, injustice and violence. When you read and reread Matthew 5 verses 38 to 42 and link the words of Jesus to the teaching of the whole of the New Testament and the social setting in which he brought these words, you begin to see that Jesus was teaching his disciples to stand up to evil, to love your enemies. I love the theory. It's the practice I find problems with, you know. My theories is keep getting mugged with practice. And every time I say something, God gives me an opportunity to outwork it. And yeah. I, I think, Lord, I don't really want... Yes, you do. You need this. Yeah. You need this. So Jesus is teaching his disciples to stand up to evil, to love their enemies and be creative so that they can show the offender the injustice. And so that in what they do what they're doing, they thereby give the offender the opportunity to see their injustice and to repent. That's what Jesus is doing here. So let me just take three of these phrases. The first one, if anyone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. If anyone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him the other cheek also. Now, in the time that Jesus was speaking, it's a time of slavery. And those that were listening to Jesus would know exactly what he meant. You see, back then, people used their two hands very differently. <laughs> i got a big... Please, let me... I don't want to get gross here, but let me say they use their two hands very differently. Your left hand was your bathroom hand. Let me just leave it there. Your left hand was your bathroom hand, and you didn't use it for anything else. So if you hit someone, you would always hit them with your right hand. Now, I've already preempted Steve, and he knows he's going to be my my slave for a moment. All right? <laughs> Okay, can you come out here, Steve? (laughs) (laughs) He knows what's coming. (laughs) Just imagine Steve is my slave. He's not, but if he was, and he has done something that really annoys me, and I want to put him back in his place, right? So I would take. I'm not going to do this literally, so don't get worried. You know, it's okay. He said it's all right. (laughs) Whoa. So I would use my right hand because my fist I would only use to my equals. This is my slave. He is subservient to me. So I'd use my right hand to slap him with the back of my hand. Now Jesus said when someone does that. Turn your other cheek. Why? Because now I'm only going to use my right hand, but I'm going to use my fist. And in using my fist, I am now saying he is not subservient to me. He is equal to me. That is pure genius. Thanks, Steve. Pure genius. And when they heard that, the crowd would say, wow, Jesus, that is great. I am realizing that when I turn the other cheek to my aggressor, in so doing, what I'm saying is, you seek to put me down. You seek to humiliate me and make me a lesser person, to exercise power over me. But I refuse to be treated as a slave. I refuse to be humiliated. I refuse to be put down because I am not subservient to you. I am subservient to my God. And I am praying that in my action, it will show you your injustice. You will repent and you will come to your senses and you will know the will of God. I keep saying it, but it's pure genius. It, it Only Jesus could do this kind of thing. Jesus has just given his disciples a way of reclaiming, reclaiming their dignity. A way to face the aggressor. And this means they could assert themselves and stand up to oppression in a non-violent and loving way. And hopefully cause the aggressor to see the error of their ways. But Jesus doesn't leave it there, he goes on. He said, if anyone would sue you and take your coat, let him have your cloak as well. See, back then in Jesus' time, a person generally wore two garments. They had the inner garment and the outer garment. And if you were to sue someone for their inner garment, that was a pretty low blow. Because all you left them with was their outer garment. And Exodus talks very strongly, if you take an outer garment as a pledge, don't keep it beyond the sunset, because that is the warmth for the individual. And they'll grow cold and they could get sick. So the outer garment. But what Jesus said is, if someone would sue you and take your coat or your inner garment, let them have your cloak as well. So you take the inner shirt and the outer coat. You render the person naked. They have nothing to wear. Back then, it was more shameful to see someone naked than to be naked. If you remember Noah's son, yeah. he saw his father naked and was cursed because of it. So in giving someone your inner and outer garment, you, was, you were becoming they were making you naked. And thereby, they were putting you to shame in their actions. This would therefore turn the tables in a non-violent way. You ask for my inner shirt. I'm giving you my outer shirt as well. Therefore, you've rendered me naked. That is shame. You, of course, shame on yourself and in your actions. By giving someone both garments, you might seek, you're saying this, you might seek to treat me unjustly, to strip me of my dignity, to rob me of my identity. But I am not defined by what I wear. I am not what I wear. I am by the grace of God what I am by his grace. I can just imagine the crowd's response. What a man. I love this man. What he's saying is pure brilliance. But Jesus doesn't stop there. He gives another one. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him too. (laughs) Now back then, Romans were the occupying force and the Jews were subservient to their demands. Therefore, a Roman soldier could, could and was permitted by law to force a Jew to carry their stuff for them up to one mile. So you're walking and minding your own business and suddenly a Roman soldier goes by you, maybe going the other direction. And as a Roman soldier, he legally can force you to take all of his stuff and force you to carry his stuff for one mile. One mile. To have someone carry something more than a mile was a violation of the law. So what Jesus is advocating is to take the soldier's stuff. And when the one mile marker comes, don't stop. Carry on. Just carry on. Don't be a single miler. Be a second miler. Go beyond what you're being asked. Because when you go a second mile, now the soldier is violating the law. Before he was in the realm of legality. Now he's outside of that. And he's violating the law. And if his superiors saw this, he'd be in big trouble. Some reckon he would lose wages. He could lose rank. He would be in big trouble. Who's in the position of power now? Yes, the person carrying the stuff. He's put the soldier in a position of weakness and forced him to say, Hey, stop, 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 stop. Please, please don't go any further. Please, you're going way beyond what I'm asking you to do. Please stop. You're going to get me into trouble. The whole thing has turned around. The Jew has asserted himself in a nonviolent way. He's turned the tables. He's reclaiming his dignity. He's forcing the Roman soldier to treat him with respect. You saw me as a Jew. You saw me as a conquered nation. You saw me as someone who could just be used as an animal of burden. But now, you're pleading for me to stop. I hear the people so pumped. I think, I keep saying it, but they're they're thinking, this guy, this guy, Jesus. He's pure genius, pure genius. So when we're facing opposition, aggression and injustice and violence or injustice comes calling to take to fight or to take flight is not our only option. There's another way. Some people call it the third way. What Jesus is offering here is third way thinking. It's another way of doing things. It's a way that lovingly and creatively we can exercise resistance in a nonviolent way. It's a way that shows the offender their injustice and hopefully in showing them their injustice, they repent. The picture that come up on the screen now is a picture of the civil rights movement in America. Dr. Martin Luther King. What a man. What a man. What is happening here is that people are resisting the evil of social injustice. And they're doing it in a nonviolent way. They're turning the other cheek. They're giving the outer garment. They are going the second mile. I will not be like you. But I will reflect a message of justice, of nonviolence. I will show you that I am a man. I'm a man and woman of God. And I will bring the message of the kingdom. So how having read Matthew 5 verses 38 to 44. And put it into the social setting of Jesus of his day. These words have a present application for us today. Advancing the kingdom is going to come at a cost. It's going to be expensive. Having publicly. Publicly been stoned and dragged out of the city of Lystra thinking he was dead. The apostle Paul later returns to the city, blooded, bruised, battered by his stoning. And he stands before the disciples and says this, through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. Through many tribulations. We must enter the kingdom of God. Then knowing he was about to be executed, the Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy and said, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. I don't like the thought of it, but it could be that we're going to have to face oppression, aggression, injustice, and maybe something of violence. Maybe personally, you're facing oppression right now. But what Jesus said in the Beatitudes, you're being persecuted for righteousness sake. But if we're not suffering, our brothers and sisters throughout the world are. Right now, people are giving their lives because they're Christian. They're dying. They're suffering. They're experiencing the oppression, the aggression and injustice and violence. And both them and us have to come to a place where by God's grace, we stand up to evil and proclaim the message of Jesus Christ. That we proclaim that no matter what you say or what you do, I am what I am by the grace of God. So I'm going to end this morning by giving three prophetic declarations. And if you want, you can join him with me as I speak them. But I'm speaking these for those who are now suffering conflict, whether it's here or whether it's in other parts of the world. Because God is still on the throne. This is His church. As I, I often say, I've read the last chapter and we win in the end. No matter what we see through the news media, he's coming for a glorious church without spot and without wrinkle. So, here we go. To those who insult us, we say, although you slap us down and try to humiliate us, We choose to turn the other cheek, to respond in a way that declares we are the sons and daughters of the living God. Hallelujah. No matter what you do, you try and slap me down in the workplace because you know I'm a follower of Jesus. You try to humiliate me and make me look small but I, by God's grace, whatever way this happens, I choose to turn the other cheek and respond in a loving, creative, godly way that declares, I am, we are the sons and daughters of the living God. To those who rob us, we say, although you try to take our dignity and rob us of our identity, we will not be put to shame. For we are willing to give whatever it takes to advance the kingdom of God. To those who oppress us, we say, although you take advantage of who we are, we choose through acts of kindness. Let's go on to the next one. We choose through acts of kindness to go way beyond your expectation. For I am no longer a slave of fear. I am. I am the child of God. To all the oppression that's going on, I give these words in the face of all opposing factors that right now are seeking to frustrate the advancement of the kingdom of God. Be it in an individual's life, in families, in businesses, in communities, in churches, in cities, or in nations. To those who insult us, we say, although you slap us down and try to humiliate us, we choose to turn the other cheek to respond in a way that declares we are the sons and daughters of the living God. To those who rob us, we say, although you try to take our dignity and rob us of our identity, we will not, we will not be put to shame. For we are willing to give whatever it takes to advance the kingdom of God. To those who oppress us, although you take take advantage of who we are, we choose to show you acts of kindness and go way beyond your expectation. For I am no longer a slave of fear. I am a child of God. With the Apostle Paul, as he stood there before the disciples of Lystra, he clearly would have still bore the marks of his stoning. He was bruised. He was battered. He was blooded. And he said to the disciples, through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. I don't know what the future holds. But I do think we will face oppression, we will face opposition, maybe even aggression, maybe injustice, maybe violence. And I want to be a man of God that doesn't fight my corner, doesn't flight, take flight, but by God's grace. Give me the way, Lord, that I can turn the other cheek. Show me. God, if someone takes from me one thing, help me to be so willing to surrender something else that will show them their injustice. Lord, if someone takes advantage of me and forces me to go in a direction that I want to go, I pray I'll turn the tables on that situation. That the The one who is the aggressor will become the one who's pleading, stop, stop, stop. And they themselves will see their injustice and they will come to a place of repentance. Because I want to see the reality that I am no longer a slave of fear. I'm no longer a slave of fear. I am a child of God.